Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a talk discussing the old DLC model versus the annual pass. A lot of folks have been arguing they want to go back to the old DLC model. I am not a fan of that, and I'm going to tell you why. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. I'm probably live right now. Come on in and join us. If I'm not live, throw me a follow on the Twitch channel so you don't miss my videos and my talks when they're happening live. If you're watching on YouTube, hitting the like button and the subscribe button is a free way to support me let's jump right in here why am i talking about this what's the point of having this debate the old dlc model which is like tentpole dlcs like curse of osiris and warmind versus the drip feed style of the annual pass why are we talking about this well recently the community has decided on the sort of the tales of Season of the Drift are not going very well. Folks are taking to Reddit and the forums to say that they actually think we should go back to the old DLC model. They think the annual pass is bad. I think folks are jumping past what the true criticism should be, and I want to talk about why we should probably be talking about the content flaws and the content depth, not necessarily the delivery system. And I want to look at sort of the response and the history of these DLCs that we got, whether it's Dark Below, House of Wolves, Curse of Osiris, and Warmind, would be the four examples of the old way, and the new way, it is structured in a way where it's drip-fed. Many are feeling that the content isn't any better, we haven't gained anything. So, I want to talk about, number one, why go back? Why would we go back to the old way? Number two, I think this is great structure, Keep in mind, I'm saying structure. I'm not talking about the content quality. I'm saying I think this is great structure. And then lastly, fill the containers. They really need to fill the containers. So why go back? I don't really understand why folks want to go back. I think people are forgetting the amount of time that passed in between when we got content between you know Curse of Osiris, Warmind, and then ultimately Forsaken. If you look at the content structure back then, most people, if they played you know, pretty hardcore, pretty grindy, they would finish everything in a month, maybe a little bit more casually, two months. That essentially would leave you with three to three and a half months of time where nothing new is happening. Even with the way they structured the Escalation Protocol weapons, even with the way they structured the Forge weapons in Curse of Osiris, you could still basically be done in about a month to two months, leaving three months of literally nothing. Like, that to me is a true content drought. I understand right now we end these seasons in the annual pass, and there are a few weeks three to four weeks where there's not really anything going on. I obviously think that is preferable to three months of nothing going on. So again, I think the main contrast here is the logistics. Many think the shallow nature of Drifter is representative of the entire annual pass. I will definitely concede the point that the quality and the narrowness and shallowness of Season of the Drifter needs to be criticized. Bungie needs to hear that to help future deliverables not be so narrow and not enjoyable. That is a content criticism, though, not a delivery or logistical criticism. If you're comparing annual pass drip feed to the old style of DLC, that's a different discussion than saying Season of the Drifter, as a content piece, lacked in these quality points. That feedback is, I think, better to to really hammer away. 
so we can get better deliverables in the future. Now, I firmly believe up to this point, I've been saying this, that Season of Opulence will be significantly better than everything we've gotten thus far. It's Vicarious Vision Swan Song. It's been in development the longest. I think they know they have to recapture the base, reinvigorate our confidence before they start marketing whatever is on the future horizon. So I think Season of Opulence is going to be significantly better. So we kind of have to let that land as well to get a whole picture entire, you know, sort of review of the annual pass before we start drawing sharp conclusions about whether the annual pass was better or worse because of the nature of how much time passed between Curse of Osiris and Warmind, that cannot be understated how long we waited just for any little thing. There were a lot more quicker updates and patches and changes and injections in the annual pass. They're still not knocking it out of the park with respect to updates and patches, but it's still significantly better than the rhythms that we had in D2 Year 1 or even Destiny 1 as far as how much communication they're having us, how consistent they're being with updates, and and again the delivery system of the content so I've been very critical of Season of the Drifter, and I was even critical of some of the things and how they structured things in Season of the Forge but I still think, I want to parse it and say the delivery is better. So let's talk about great structure next. The problems with the annual pass are actually shared by the old DLCs. This is where I think we're missing the mark. If you look at the four DLCs up to this point that are that are in the, the vein of classic style, which is Dark Below, House of Wolves, Curse of Osiris, and Warmind, those four DLCs all share the same sort of problems and shortcomings of the content in the annual pass. So when you get on the ground and you start criticizing the content, they're all very similar. So changing the actual delivery structure isn't going to fix anything. Whether you're getting it all at once or whether you're getting it spread out, the content all has very, very similar criticisms and problems. Lack of depth, lack of volitional grind like intentionality, you know, the, the, the content not being that fun or enjoyable or too narrow. If you look at The Reckoning, if you look at Gambit Prime, you know, very, very narrow offering. So I think when you look at that, those cancel each other out. It's like, okay, so the real issue then is not the delivery of the content. It's the content itself. It isn't the fact that it's taking you longer to get the content. It isn't the fact that you have to wait a couple of weeks for an exotic quest. It's the actual content that is the problem. Too shallow, not enough grind, we need more loot. These have been the common themes that we've been stressing. So at this point, the issue isn't structure the issue is where is the depth why are we not getting new perks why are we not getting more bounties like ada's bounties why are we not repurposing old content why are we not repurposing old loot i think that is the main thing we need to focus on the lack of drought has been significantly better significantly better even if you don't like the content this is another point we really need to make just because you don't like the content doesn't mean there isn't any that's a point we really want to drive home One of the members here of this community this morning said that, pouring rain, and then a a, a really well-written and well-articulated thread on Reddit for the Division community really articulated the fact that just because you blitz the content or don't like the content doesn't mean there's nothing to do. There is another portion of the community that plays less often. There's other portions of the community that might actually like the things that you don't like, so that needs to be considered. Now, that needs to be weighed by Bungie, and when they do injections of content, and when they do annual pass injections and seasons, they need to consider maybe not having such narrow offerings so you don't feel like, well, sure, there's no content drought, but Season of the Drifter feels like a content drought because there's nothing for me. So it is three to four months 
months of nothing because I don't like this content. Bungie needs to consider that in the future and really try to inject multiple veins of content the entire season so you don't feel like an entire three to four month season is nothing to offer you. That does, I think, provide you know feedback for them. But again, that is not a problem with the delivery system. That's a problem with the content. Let's end by saying fill the containers. I have said this many, many times, and I think it's one of the reasons that Forsaken was so, so good. I've said there's great scaffolding and containers. They just need to fill them. I believe that's one of the reasons Forsaken did such a good job. They took a lot of the a lot of the containers, a lot of systems, and a lot of the structure of Destiny, and they filled them. How did they fill them? They gave a lot of the and they gave us random rolls. They got rid of double primary. They gave us a grind to chase those random rolls, and they gave us you know two new locations, obviously, and a really great story. But in general, that's ultimately why Forsaken did such a good job. Is they took the structure of the game and they dumped and filled it. So when you look at Destiny right now, Destiny 2, there are so many containers, so much scaffolding that just needs investment and depth and the game can really, really flourish. When you look at The Forge from Curse of Osiris, Escalation Protocol, Blind Well, The Infinite Forest, you've got The Forges from Black Armory, you've got Reckoning, you have all these activities that can have life injected into them. A Strike Playlist, Nightfalls, that can be dressed up with new loot, new loot chases, new bounties, new pursuits in all these locations, all the NPCs, all the planets, all the old loot pools. If they can start to do that, that can be a significant win for whatever next annual pass type that we get. DLC focuses so much on campaigns, story missions, cutscenes, and new locations, you end up really short shortchanging and robbing the grind. So much of Warmind and Curse of Osiris was spent on campaign missions that we never played again cutscenes we watch one time or skip through the second and third playthrough and a new location that doesn't really add much to the vibrancy and the dynamic experience of the weekly engaged player so when you want to go back to old DLC model you're not just asking for a structure that's not as good because the content's delivered so far apart you're actually asking for inferior content because it's just so much more focused on things you don't even replay after week one The main point that I really want to drive home is annual pass structure is in harmony with the weekly, daily reset hobbyist game as service player. There's a harmony between game as service game and an annual pass that's constantly injecting the game with stuff. The old way of doing the DLC is dissonant. It's not in harmony with the way that you play. You play day-to-day, week-to-week, and then you have three months where there's nothing for you to do day-to-day and week-to-week. So logistically speaking, annual pass has far more you know, synchronicity with the behaviors, uh, behavior of the players than the old DLC pattern. They really just need to fill the game with better, more in-depth content. And the reason I made this video is the community needs to set their sights on the real problems and the real issues. Don't take us back to the Stone Ages. Going back to the old DLC pattern and delivery system would not help the game right now. It would hurt the game. We need to be asking for better content, more depth, more intentional grind, better weapons, better perks, all those things. That's what's going to be better for the game. Not an old delivery system and an old episodic installment where there's three months of nothing to do in between. As with all of my content, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. As with all of my content, I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe.
Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a Q&A session that followed my DLC versus the annual pass conversation that we had. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. As with all of my content, if you come in live, you can submit questions. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the like button and the subscribe button. That's a free and easy way to support what I do. We're going to jump right into the questions and try and go fast. Lately, I've not been doing gameplay because it just helps me go through the questions faster. So if you're watching the video version, sorry for the absence of like grinding public events, but it just makes the questions and the answers significantly better. I don't drone on about every little thing because I'm getting distracted. So slaves uh, to the rich. That's an interesting name says, what do you hope for next season in the year of content? What would you like to see? Uh, my big answer to this is repurposing. I would like old content containers like the Forge from Curse of Osiris, the Infinite Forest, the Escalation Protocol, Blind Well, all the Forges from Black Armory, even the Reckoning, uh, and then all of the NPCs and all of their loot pools. I would like to see all of those things repurposed and refreshed. Uh, Gatecrasher. Do you think it would be better to ditch the pinnacle weapons and go with making more perks uh, to then chase a god roll? I actually think you bring the two systems together. I personally think that the breakneck should have been the pinnacle curated roll of the hazard of the cast and you grind for and chase it instead of just playing like 40 gambit matches. Combine the two is what I think they should do. Eknor. Sorry if it's a long one. Do you think Bungie needs to bring more value to annual pass owners? Now, if we remove free events, Eververse items, and pinnacle weapons that everyone gets, we don't have much left. Some exclusive Eververse stuff, and vendors reset, and maybe new perks on old weapons too, as they just use, they'll just use old activities, just to make loot more exciting. Oh, I definitely think this is one of the main issues. In my talk, I basically said the delivery system of the annual pass isn't the problem. Going back to the delivery system of 10-pole DLC is not the solution. That's not going to make things better. We need better content, better depth, more perks on guns, more guns, more pursuits, more bounties, more everything. Um, At the very least, just take the current containers and the current loot pools and give them more depth and breadth because the delivery system will shine if everything getting delivered is is of higher caliber and quality and value um Ishan do you think Vanguard Crucible and Gambit updates will be under the annual pass in the future no whenever they make updates to the game if they're going to make changes to a map with respect to balancing or a glitch or a sandbox change because a weapon is seen to be too strong or too weak those are never paid for those are just part of the game world being updated Jetboy. Whether it's a DLC or annual pass, could you see, uh, could we all agree that the Crucible should be blessed with new maps each time we get new content? I'm tired of the lack of maps in Crucible since Forsaken released. Okay, the map question is a good one, but I think they've put a pin in that because I do think they're probably really wanting to revamp Crucible in a different direction, which may include different styles of maps, and if that's the case, then... You, you not getting maps sucks for now, but if they're going to make bigger significant changes in the beginning, um, then I think it's okay for you to not get maps now if they're going to be making those big significant changes. If they're not going to be making big significant changes to the Crucible, then it is a bummer that you guys haven't been getting maps. I would hope that the reason they've held off on Crucible is they're making bigger changes. They're making bigger, bigger pivots. Instead of just being like, no, you don't get anything for a year. It would be like, well, you didn't get anything for a year, but look at this massive update we're doing to the Crucible. Look at these map changes that we're implementing. So, 
Rusty, I think part of Bungie's issue is that they need enough revenue to fund their 800-plus employee company. I'd like to see a big DLC followed by small free updates. Exotics, pinnacles, new gear for the old content, etc. I'm not sure they can afford that. How do you think Bungie's internal budget affects the DLC versus annual pass conversation? Might they need to downsize? This is another thing we have to consider. Because Eugene basically said in chat it'd be better to combine the annual pass with the old dlc model so the annual pass is there for drip feed and you spend the 35 bucks and it's a nice little drip feed things to do here and there each week and then there's bigger dlc's landing every couple of months that cost 20 bucks like actual campaigns new places to go etc those two working together would be great okay i think he's right I don't think they can do it. I think the fact that they're trying to pivot and work on the next game while maintaining the existing game, while also being self-publishing, is basically keeping them from even doing that. I have... I mean, they didn't they didn't do this in the past when they had High Moon Studios, Vicarious Visions, and themselves. So they're certainly not doing it now that they've lost those two other companies. Uh, next question. Dutch. What if Bungie does two major DLCs a year, which you pay extra, and put content like seasonal events in the annual pass, which you can pay to play, but doesn't impact the core game like Higher Light Cap, for example? Just ask $5 for the annual pass event. Thoughts? This, no, see, this doesn't work because this is this is even more fragmented. We talked about this a lot before the Q&A started. The suggestion that they should start busting up the annual pass and let you buy it individually. This is even smaller, like $5 to play in an event. That's way too fragmented. Because when you're playing an event, a lot of what goes into the event is matchmaking. People going into different places, people going into different activities. The example would be the revelry. Going into the, the Verdant Forest, right? Well, if not everybody's buying for the $5 and you fragment the player base, matchmaking's gonna suck. But if you've got a very, very large net cast and a very full funnel, I've never struggled to get match made into Forges and or the Verdant Forest, and I play on PC, which is the smaller player base. Now, Crucible's a little bit of a different story for Q times, but I definitely think there is a there's a there's a big mistake in the community right now thinking that we either go back to an inferior delivery model which is tentpole DLC because that's dissonant and not in sync with daily weekly engaged hobbyist players like that doesn't work and the other mistake folks are making is say no bust up the annual pass let me buy it individually I I that just doesn't that just doesn't work that doesn't work the Venom shirt though yo it's good Fonz yeah my, my kids really liked it I told them it's a bad guy and they're like it's a bad guy um Shadowhunter hey Lono have you tried the Recluse yet no I have not I know it's a good PDE weapon but I don't want to go for it JD Gamer what are your thoughts on Black Armory and how do you feel about it when we want to uh, went through it as a season what are your thoughts on Black Armory how did you feel about when we went through the season I thought Black Armory was fine if Drifter would have been structurally similar to Black Armory, I wouldn't have been so frustrated, right? I wouldn't have been frustrated. It's like, the weapons are cool, content's not that great, I would have probably dealt with it. If I could have been grabbing bounties from Drifter and getting guns at a regular interval, and grinding for really good rolls on that new hand can or the new auto rifle, I guarantee you myself, and many of the people that I typically play with, would have been playing a lot more. But the lack of volition and the lack of intentionality compounded the bad content. It made it worse. Made it, it, it like, come on, are you really going to grind Reckoning when you don't enjoy it that much? When the drop rate is abysmally stupid? If I could have gone in there with a with a with a with a bounty and every two completions got a gun, problem solved. 
I'd be in there. And so would a lot of the people that played with me, especially for the hand cannon and the auto rifle. But they didn't do that. When you That's one thing that Bungie really needs to take home and write that on everybody's dry erase board in the office. Player intentionality is motivating, okay? I will play content I don't enjoy that much if I have player intentionality. If I know I can do this and I'll get a weapon every couple times, I will keep doing it. Player intentionality is very motivating. It's very goading and prodding. It will get you into lanes that you typically and maybe normally wouldn't get into. Skeleton key grind from Destiny 1, you remember that? But I knew every once in a while I could get an Imago loop. It kept me in a lane that I wasn't all that thrilled about. Player intentionality is very, very motivating. Uh, Dr. Get Good. Do you think that the player base opinion of update frequency might change with all the news coming about involving crunch at Epic Games and such? I'd love something like weekly updates, but I wouldn't want someone having ridiculous hours to work. I don't think a lot of people, um, I don't think a lot of people even care about this. I think a lot of people that play video games, boot up their Xbox and dive into Destiny, don't pay any attention to this conversation. This overarching conversation about crunch and the treatment of employees and expectations and delivery schedules for, for video games, the people that are listening to that conversation, they're a minority. The people that care about that conversation are a minority. Now, this is sad, okay? This is sad, but it's the truth. The majority of the gaming world doesn't pay any lick of attention to the development world, to development Twitter accounts, to conversations in blogs and YouTube videos. The people that engage with this dialogue dialogue are in a minority. And then, even those who engage in the dialogue, some of them are very douchey about it. And they're like, I don't care, just work. Make the game. You know? Don't delay it. Just work harder. Give me my game. So the amount of people that listen and actually care and would like industry standards change are a sad, sad, somewhat powerless minority. Because the masses are very, very strong. Because they have money. And they speak with it. And if they're buying the games and they don't care that people are losing their losing their 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 health and years of their life being overworked, overstressed, you know what I'm saying? It's it, that's I think that's the sad truth is that too many people, and I'm not actually chastising those people that aren't involved in the conversation. There's probably very good-hearted, loving moms, dads college students, boyfriends, girlfriends, brothers, sisters that play video games that would be appalled at the industry standards, right? They would be appalled and they would love to do something, but they have zero clue. They get home from their 40-hour work week, Jimmy's got baseball, Susie's got ballet, and then when they're in bed, they boot up whatever video game they love and they play for a couple hours before they crash in their bed and do it all over again. They don't have the mental energy, they don't have the time or the care to get involved in a conversation about industry standards for game developers. So, 
I'm not chastising the people that are disconnected from the conversation, but that's just the fact of the matter is that Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and these conversations that are happening, that's not a, that's a minority in the gaming world, unfortunately. We have to do our best to continue to inform as many people as we can to really demand and say, these employees should be treated with respect, they should be treated well, you don't want developers to unionize, that would be terrible for the industry, Um, but the fact that that's even a consideration means that things need to change. Karis says, comparing Curse of Osiris Warmind to Annual Pass, I've had more enjoyable experiences from the Annual Pass, although I think the content of the Annual Pass has been helped by the changes Forsaken brought. Do you think Bungie should still make Comet DLCs every September? Well, here's the thing. We've talked about how Curse of Osiris and Warmind would have been unbelievable as far as, like, the value would have been unbelievably increased with random rolls and no double primary so grinding for the forge weapons in curse of osiris i think curse of osiris would have been better than warmind if we had random rolls i'm serious curse of osiris would have been better than warmind if it had random rolls because there was much there were way cooler weapons and probably would have been cooler potential weapons in that grind Curse of Osiris was murdered by static rolls. Murdered. Warmind was better because the story and the dialogue and the weapons were cooler. But ultimately, Warmind was not that great if you give them both random rolls. If you give them both random rolls, significantly fewer weapons worth chasing in Warmind. I'm telling you, Go back and imagine grinding Curse of Osiris for those 11 weapons and hoping for certain god rolls. You would have been in those trenches significantly longer than you would have been in the trenches of Warmind because Warmind offered better, like, it offered better breadth, you know, and the content was more enjoyable, but there was far less depth and weapons. Now... You also have to consider the the raid too. The raid layer, what uh, Spire of Stars was better, so that helps Warmind quite a bit as well. I mean, that goes back to let's let's go back here. I'm, I'm going to hold on Fate Rex question, question. That goes back to that video where Goth lost his mind and it trended on Reddit. He was like, "It's the infinite forest. It's the it's the Vex. There's infinite possibilities. Why would you not do random rolls out of the forge?" And he like got up and screamed and walked around the room. I mean, it was it that was a mixture of true emotion and showmanship. I think it was actually more true emotion than anything. It was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, this is the time to do random rolls. Infinite forest, the vex, infinite possibilities. Spit out a random roll. Like, what a missed. What a gigantic missed opportunities. Missed opportunity, sorry. Spire was not better. Oh, Spire was way better. Spire was way better. Opener was better. Boss fight was better. Yeah. D- Eater of Worlds is a jumping puzzle and then two encounters that are very similar. Uh, Fate Rex. With the way content is delivered now, it is more or less difficult. Uh, is it more or less difficult for new returning players to pick up the game? That's a good question. Um, That's a good question. This is actually probably a better format for for new players as well as returning players because of the way they structure the bounties and the way they structure the idea of uh, the fact that you can use the the booster bounties. You can play a little bit less frequently maybe. 
big big DLCs show up and you're like oh my gosh I, I gotta get through all of this quickly um, so wordy going back to our seasonal perk ideas could that be implemented as an additional event like arc week where solar week would also bring back all seasonal perks along with a glorified patch or would this feel more like artificial content uh going back to your seasonal perk ideas could that be implemented as like an additional event solar week would bring back seasonal perks oh so you're talking about the perks that are only active for that season yeah i don't know i don't know if that's actually a really good solution i mean that was an idea off the top of my head that's that's very i think that's very risky that that that's that's potentially uh that's that would potentially not land very well on folks but that is something they could do like hey it's solar week and this is where we're going to institute a bunch of really cool seasonal perks that are solar in theme and then modifiers for the remainder of the season will all be solar but these perks are going to run out it would basically be like the tonic right it would be like this, this weird perk on your gun that's there but only for the event or only for the remainder of the season or something uh Gracula. Why can't we have both annual pass with some new DLCs and location type content? Can we agree that the Warmind location DLC added content that Bungie can leverage? Well, sure, it can be leveraged and repurposed, and we already addressed this. Why can't they do both 10 pull DLC and annual pass? I just don't think you can. I don't think they can do both. Uh, Unheard AZM. I get that we should be asking for better content, but then uh, what would. Uh, but when would enough be enough? Is there a point where we would ever be satisfied with the content that we have? Well, you have to understand what game as service games are, okay? Game as service games are like that. Is it the Dr. Seuss book where he gets the fish from the pet store and the guy tells him just a pinch each day, do not overfeed this fish? And he overfeeds the fish, and then the fish grows larger than the bowl, and then it's larger than the then it's larger than the, the, the bathtub, and then it's larger than the, the, the swimming pool, okay? Or like Little Shop of Horrors, the big, the big, you know, plant. Feed me! If whatever precedent you set, okay, if you give people a certain amount of content every DLC, you have now established an appetite that would then need to be met. So, um, Jedi Cartrix, thank you for four months... Um, keep it the good work and get the frick out of my chat. Thank you. So Seb, I missed Seb for 38 months. Oh my gosh, I missed Seb's resub. FX Bingo and Silent Ghost. I missed a bunch of subs. I think. I'm so sorry, guys. Um. Uh, da, 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 da. Right. So you create the appetite. So if enough is never enough, no. Essentially, what you're doing is is you're feeding the little shop of horrors plant. You're feeding that fish. And you got to make sure you give just enough each time so you can come back and know I can always give them this much content. I grab a pinch, I go over here, I drop it in the game. Thank you, this will be good live for 18 months of subs. I grab a pinch, I go over here and grab it. And they keep eating it. If all of a sudden you're like, oh, whoops, we spilled a bunch of content in the game, Forsaken, Taken King, whatever. People are like, oh man, this is so great. And then what happens? They're like, ugh, there's just not enough anymore. This annual pass isn't full enough. So you, I, I think that's one of the reasons that it's one of the reasons that annual pass content can get into a better place because it can really set that rhythm of here's a pinch of food every week 
you're not going to overeat, you're not going to get a, you know, a broken appetite, and then, you know, you kind of, you kind of, you kind of stay in that rhythm in that lane. Once we know where Zur is, guys, I'll go and visit him during the talk right now. Uh, do you think if they launch a second annual pass, all previous content will come with it? Or will you have to purchase the previous annual pass? Um... See, this is hard because Gambit Prime is a game mode. Forges are in locations. Uh, I'm, Opulence is going to have game modes as well. Uh, I would think you're going to need to do something. Annual Pass 2.0 is is $35. If you don't own the previous Annual Pass, it's $40. Like an extra 5 bucks. you got to get all the old stuff because it's, 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 it's places and locations. Right? It's places and locations. Zur is on IO. Okay. Um, so, you if you don't have those places and locations, that can, like, short-circuit and keep you from, like, you won't be able to... You won't be able to, to do certain things that they might repurpose or places that you have you go or bounties or whatever. You know, different NPCs and stuff. Peter Eliak. So, Drifter has seen... So, uh, so Drifter was seen as a niche release. Wouldn't Bungie risk fragmenting the community by injecting too many veins with content? Oh, it's so tough to have such smart people in the chat because this is. I thought about this when I was saying that. I gave a mental picture earlier. I said, um, if you kind of picture the the NBC logo, that peacock, like each feather is a different color. And each annual pass injection should be like those feathers. Uh, like each each color and shade of content should get some level of injection. The crucible, gambit, uh, other things, right? Um, the problem with that is, is that can be very fragmenting and diluting. Like I thought of that as I was saying it. Here's the thing, though. If it's if it's structured in the right way, then I think it could work, because you're basically saying. Maybe this week it's all PvE, and maybe next week it's PvP. But at the very least, you know every every week or two that there's something for you instead of an entire season of nothing, right? Like, we have to admit, Peter, like, you've got a great question here, but we have to admit that they fragmented the player base anyway. So, Drifter was fragmenting. It fragmented what people did. And that means that means that we're choosing between which thing would fragment people more. And I think if each week had somewhat of a different theme, then I that is a much better way of, of doing it. Because then it's like, well, I am at least engaged this season. I'm at least engaged this season. I am, you know, playing the content every couple of weeks or whatever they injected week one. I'm still kind of working on it week two and week three. Um, and then, you know, by the time you get the next PV installment, maybe you're ready for it. As opposed to saying, well, this entire DLC, this entire annual pass injection uh, is doing nothing for me, right? Because that's the alternative. The alternative is saying this entire season is pointless. Okay. Or, or, because I think, yeah, playing devil's advocate, I think you're, I think you're playing the other side of it very well. You're choosing between an entire season that doesn't appeal to people or the season will have a rhythmic of, a rhythmic of relevancy for you. Week one, three, 
week one, three, six, and nine are really the big weeks for you. So that's keeping you kind of in the game instead of, well, pfft, I don't like this stuff. I'm out. I don't like Gambit. I don't like Reckoning. Peace. Heron uh, TTV. How would you feel about DLC packs that are similar to Rise of Iron in scale but build out the content week to week instead uh, like the annual pass? Best of both worlds. P.S. Thanks for the RT yesterday. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciated the compliment. Um, I... This is this is apparently apparently what you're describing in in this question has been rumored uh, to be the structure of what we're getting in Annual Pass 2.0. Apparently, Annual Pass 2.0 is going to kick things off with a significantly larger DLC injection, and then I don't know if that means the rest of it will be like that. But I tend to agree with you. If you're not going to do Comet DLC and you're not going to do Tentpole DLC. What they should aim to do is say, here are the three pieces of the annual pass. Each one will have a pretty big kickstart that first week of, it kind of feels like Rise of Iron level content, and then after that things trickle from it, right? It's almost like if if Forsaken was like the size of an anvil, and you drop that anvil in the water, and then content kind of ripples out from it. The Dreaming City changes, raids, you know, different things like that. Like, the the rhythm of the frickin' uh, nightfalls and stuff. If those are those ripples. Because you're each week, you're kind of like, oh, there's new stuff to chase, all these new things. Okay, if it's an anvil, then annual pass stuff should be like a cinder block. The cinder block is like the big content kind of right at the beginning. It's it's got you know some missions, some story, some new stuff going on. New new like oh cool, look at everything kind of changing. Woof! You throw that in the water, and then the ripples come out from that uh, that cinder block, and each of those ripples kind of represent like here's a forge, here's a map, here's a new quest, here's a new bounty, here's new pursuits. Weapons are rotating, etc. So then you're like oh the new stuff's on a rhythm. I got to come back each week and check. I think that's how I would do it. Th- this annual pass, each delivery didn't feel like a cinder block. It felt like they were just kind of chucking rocks in. Here's a forge. Here's a this. Here's a that. Those ripples should be coming out from something far bigger on the front end to kind of set the tone. And I think, like you're saying, best of both worlds, kind of combine the two into a hybrid. It'd be tough. It'll be tough because of their bandwidth and their ability to build stuff right now because they are probably working and pivoting people to the next game, but... I think that'd be a better way of doing it. The Ultra Duffmaster. Lono, if the rumor for the annual pass 2.0 that the first part will be larger is true, assuming there's three parts, is it just that the pass we have now, do you believe it's possible for Bungie to create substantial drip feed content to cover from September to April, or do you think they'll change when they release the new seasons? I think they're going to leverage everything in the game that is now considered old and kind of forgotten year one loot pools year one NPCs, year one planets, year one activities all those things are going to be repurposed Escalation Protocol Infinite Forest, the forge with, with Curse of Osiris, all those weapon pools all those NPCs, all of those will be slowly repurposed over the course of the annual pass 2.0 so you will naturally feel like holy frick there's way more going on this annual pass. Oh, it's recycled content. It's super ancient content and, con- and and gear and loot that was boring and statically rolled year one. So, not really. So. Sacrificer. Do you think that people who are upset with the annual pass due to the lack of story content? Uh, I really enjoy the annual pass drip feed content, but I do miss the story. 
I do too. I feel like the way they delivered story was fine, though. I, you know, the the invitation of the Nine has been very interesting. The story with Ada, the dialogue, the dialogue with Drifter. I thought the cutscene with Drifter, I thought their injection of story was actually well done. We don't, I don't, here's, here, this is going to be a bit of a, a bit of an, un, maybe an unpopular opinion. I don't think we need any more story than we got in the annual pass. I think we got enough. I think we got enough. Why? Because it's Destiny. And the lore is interesting and it's cool. And that's all you really need it to be. You do not need in-depth character development, cutscenes, all these... You don't need all that. They did all that in D2 Story. Go back and play D2 Story. There's tons of cutscenes. There's tons of dialogue. There's tons of character arcs that change and, and evolve. And what did we do with all that content? Nothing. Absolutely not. Now, I have another video planned, another talk planned about how Bungie needs to consider letting us replay story missions and repurpose that content. If they were to do that, then I would be okay with a little bit more emphasis put on story. Because then you would be saying, sure, we're front-loading each annual pass delivery with a story, with X number of story missions, but we're not throwing that capital away. That capital's being repurposed. Those bosses will have unique drops. Those missions will have purpose throughout the annual pass. They're going to resurface with relevancy beyond that first week. The problem with the old-style structure and even the focus on story structure in the past is they don't get any capital out of that crap. The story missions in the Vanguard? Come on. That's nothing. That's nothing but a milestone, tedious hurdle. There needs to be way more. There needs to be way more repurposing of that content if they're going to make it. If they're not going to repurpose the content, then quit freaking making story missions. I'm, I'm dead. I am dead serious. Quit making content that you cannot repurpose and reuse within the very season that it's delivered. Stop doing that. All those barren fights all those story missions in forsaken are to a certain degree a magnificent waste because we don't touch any of it really cool dialogue really cool engagements every baron fight with exception of the fanatic he's a douche every baron fight is super cool and super unique and we barely touch that content what a magnificent waste so much content just sitting in a dustbin that we don't even have access to you can't even go do those things if you want if you just felt like you know i wouldn't mind replaying the story mission at my level that'd be fun getting the drops hearing the dialogue again can't do it oh you want to play the baron fights you got to wait until the tangled shore is the flashpoint and then it's only one baron fight per day Un believable waste just it, it hurts it hurts to see so much so much great content in Forsaken just sitting there saw your Q&A on Borderlands 3 great video Zane gets two action skills but gives up his grenade slot to do so thank you for that feedback I didn't know that that's helpful and that's that's neat that that's how they did it cool alright next question Val uh, hang on did it move there it goes. Valcor Moon. Do you think it is even possible to make decent depth to the content with annual pass while using the Tiger Engine? Well, I don't think the Tiger Engine's in the way of what I ask for. That's why I ask for it. I'm not asking for new locations. I'm not asking for new missions, cutscenes, story. I'm saying, okay, Infinite Force is built. 
the forge me mechanism is built escalation protocol is built blind well is built i'm making a little song here the forges are built everything's already built all you need to do is fill the containers loot pursuits cooler perks intentionality rotate the loot rotate the bosses and call it a freaking day rotate bounties and all the npcs like you do with ada or you did with ada and call it a day i'm serious it, 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 the tiger engine's not in the way of them doing that the tiger engine's arduous and tough but it's the most tough from everything we excuse me from everything we've read it's the most challenging for world building and world changes I don't think it's challenging for them to go in and say, here's a bunch of loot in this loot pool, here's some bounties, here's some potential rolls on the weapons. Not, I'm not saying it's easy they could snap their fingers, but I'm, I, I don't think that's, that's uh, I really don't think that that's a problem right now. I'm telling you, the theme, the theme of year three Destiny 2 will be repurpose. I promise you that's what it's going to be. Susano, do you think Bungie need to revise their approach to the annual pass 2.0? I did not enjoy the Drifter DLC, and because of that, I have to play. I've not played D2 for a while. If Penumbra sucks, I'm out. You were in good company. There's a lot of people that think the way that you think, and that's been the point of today. I think the change to the approach of the annual pass doesn't need to change delivery schedule or the logistics. It needs to just have better depth. That's one of them. That's like the real issue. Better depth. Just enough. With PvP being included in the first free seasonal content, do you think that this is a reason we aren't seeing any new maps added? No. I think something else is going on. I don't think you completely ignore Crucible as long as they have unless you're doing something. They're either intentional, intentionally bleeding it dry or they're restructuring it. Based on Deej's comments, they're restructuring it. They're taking it through an evolution. I believe they're going to go with bigger maps, bigger battles, and let the game breathe, because that'll solve a lot of their balancing problems, a lot of the overuse of supers and power weapons, uh, a lot of the one-size-fits-all weapons, shotguns and hand cannons feel like they're basically the only thing worth using. A lot of that changes and becomes more dynamic, varied, and not so prevalent if you have bigger maps and bigger environments and bigger battles. That's just my gut and my theory. Morgan's baby daddy. Lono, you said often the community's having the wrong conversation. Do you think that this form of communication misinforms Bungie and we get bad implementation of content or content that misses the mark? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yes. This has happened. Okay. This has happened many times. And all you've got to do is go back in time watch all the YouTube videos, watch all the feedback, the forums, and the, the, the conversations that were happening. Watch all of those back during year one of Destiny 1. Okay? And then look at Destiny 2 Vanilla State. So, some of the most complaints heard in the early stages of Destiny were that people didn't like the grind. It was too grindy. It took too long to get stuff. It took too long to level up. Uh, and they didn't like that you you know you couldn't get raid gear without playing the raids okay there's a lot of criticism centered around that couldn't hit max level without running the raids now fast forward to destiny 2 if you go back and you take all that feedback from year 1 destiny 1 this is before this is before 
This is IO, Zerzan IO. This is before King's Fall. I'm sorry, Taken King. So before the Taken King arrives, that entire year of feedback has a lot of its criticisms answered in Destiny 2 Vanilla. Right? If you were able to go back in time and deliver Destiny 2 to people instead of the Taken King, a lot of people would have been like, this is great. This is so nice. So much more streamlined. No random rolls. The grind is so much more. It's so much better. You know. I Oh man, this is so much better. Because the game, the, the community's sentimentality and affinities changed and morphed from King's Fall on, from Taken King on. A lot of what we thought about what the game could be and should be changed. Leading up to that, a lot of the feedback really centered on the things that we saw in Destiny 2 Vanilla. So they're building Destiny 2, okay, all the way going up to Taken King, they're working on groundwork foundational vision transfer for Destiny 2, all being informed by player feedback. Then the Taken King lands and is a massive success and everybody's thrilled and they're like, well, frick, that's very different than the way we were taking Destiny 2. Luke Smith gets put in charge of Destiny 2, but then he has like 16 months to put things back on track. So I think a lot of the, a lot of the foundational elements were just left in place. The way they phrased it at the, at the summit, the first summit, Mo Money More Watts of 34 months, thank you. The way it was phrased at the first summit is they were trying to round off, they were trying to smooth off a lot of the rough edges, and if they just did too much, right? I think the example was like, if you got a baseball, it's got threads on it, you got something to grip, you got something you can throw, and you can do a lot with it. If you smooth off all the round edges, it's just too smooth, and that's eventually, that's essentially what they did with Destiny 2. Much of that idea about smoothing off the rough edges came from Year 1, Destiny 1. So the community can, yes, to answer your question, that's a really long answer to your question, the community can have the wrong conversation, provide the wrong feedback, and get something that ultimately is bad for them. Deej prophetically, prophetically said, be careful what you wish for, before Destiny 2 launched. I don't know when he said it, but he did say that at some point. People's insistence and demand on let's we want a primary, we want more primaries, we want it to be balanced. Well, be careful what you wish for, because you got a primary-based balanced crucible and it was boring and everyone hated it. So when people look at the annual pass and they're like they take issue with the structure and they're like, let's go back to tentpole DLC, I'm like you're not really getting at the true cause. Why didn't you like Drifter? Why didn't you like Armory? It's not because of how it was delivered. It's because of what was delivered. And the what, what was delivered is not all that different than the quality and depth delivered in the old DLCs. The structure is fine. The content lacks depth. That's what we should be asking for. Crimson Link, don't you think having new content is better than a whole year of no or little content? I agree on Pathways to Gear, you know you will earn. I think that goes hand in hand with new content and repurposing old content. I think I've established pretty strongly that the old content delivery style was terrible because you would play Curse of Osiris and Warmind for a month to a month and a half at the most two months before basically being done with everything and then you have three months of nothing 
the content depth in Black Armory and Drifter isn't that different than the content depth in Warmind and Curse with respect to the grind and how you grind. It's not that different. The difference is the difference is there's not there's not three months of nothing there's like three weeks of nothing three or th- four I'm sorry four weeks of nothing which is fine because at the end of the season those four weeks can be used to finish up the grind for a weapon that you didn't get or a title that you're working on or a triumph that you're working on I think that's fine um Scott Rock since it seems that September DLC is being broken up and merged like an annual pass instead of a comment followed by an annual pass would you anticipate four content drops or three again Probably three. Uh, probably three. Probably three. September lands. December probably gets a little bit of a bump, like almost like a part two esque, like part B, right? And then after that, you you have two more. After that, you'd probably have two more. I don't think you'd have four total. Maybe like three and a half. You know, three and a half. Um, Thirty-one months from food ends. Thank you so much, dude, for thirty-one months of subs no problem crash man thanks for hanging out goatsy what's something that you think is missing in destiny 2 this is just too generic i'm not going to answer this there's not i mean i could say a thousand things um i'll give you i'll give you one answer uh diversity of weaponry diversity of weaponry too many of the weapons aren't worth using so there's not a lot of diversity in the weaponry as well as the perks Tire guy. Hey, brother, given the low engagement rate of Gambit and Crucible, do you feel Bungie will inject more of the attention to, on the PvP side to rebuild player confidence and variety in the next PV, uh, in PvP next season or next annual pass? I kind of was getting at that earlier. I think one of the reasons that they've basically done virtually nothing with the Crucible since prior to Forsaken is because they're doing something significantly bigger and, 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 and more far more significant I think they're making like big big changes that's why they haven't been doing anything and the low engagement is by design like that's what's happening like when you don't do anything then you siphon players off into gambit that's just what happens Susano, sorry for the comparison father of two when I log into division two even for the 30 minutes I can feel a sense of progression and feel that my time was respected do you think that Bungie needs a better leveling system the enhancement core system drives me insane oh yeah yes the leveling system the, the you know the enhancement cores all of it needs to go all of it needs to go it is not it is not good. We've had we've gone round and round on this, so I'm not going to beat the dead horse about taking enhancement cores out of infusion. They should be used for enhancing perks, like make hand cannon reloader to enhance hand cannon reloader, make it very expensive, so it's a long, good end game capstone grind for hardcore players. And then if blues and purples dropped at your level, um, if blues and purples dropped at your level, then you would not be infusing all that often because if you were infusing every single time you got a teeny little jump on your gloves you know a one or a two bump you start running out of glimmer and you start running out of planetary materials and legendary shards it would be a more natural and sensible pain point so you wouldn't infuse as often you would probably infuse less often and typically centered around the milestones milestones would be more intentional it could be more strategic and that would be a significantly better leveling system the leveling system solution is so painfully easily solved that if they don't do it, I'm just, I don't know, I'm going to blow a gasket more than I already have about the topic. Where do you get your sick t-shirts? Mostly Amazon or Loot Crate. 
JD Gamer. Hey Lona, with Borderlands coming out, do you think this means Bungie is going to have to really hype up the new DLC annual pass with Bungie streams not doing what they've been doing, releasing a six minute trailer a week? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to change their marketing strategy. I don't think they really look at the landscape of other games and say, we really need to change our game plan here. I don't think they do that. Uh, a lot of the marketing, a lot of the structure, a lot of the, a lot of the, the plans are put in place and, and slated out very far in advance. I thought it was free. Is WoW the correct direction? Uh, the best gamer I know plays the crap out of WoW. Uh, I think going full WoW would be tough. Um, the reason going full WoW would be tough is because... Um, the reason going full WoW would be tough is because this is still a very, very uh, primarily played on console game. And I don't know if the console crowd would embrace the the hardcore grind of WoW and a game as grindy and as big as WoW typically requires a subscription fee because you're putting us on servers and constantly updating and adding content uh, Wing Slacks do you think a connection between each uh, annual pass drop would help keep players invested? Each drop would have its own substantial story and new piece of content with a new theme but it would also have something to continue the main story maybe some new lore uh, and story beats in the Dreaming City and the Tangled Shore uh, that involve Aldrin, Mara, and Petra. When I first tried to get into Doctor Who, I had a really, really hard time getting into it. And it wasn't until David Tennant took over and they started tying the Bad Wolf meta-narrative together with Rose. Then I started to realize there was a far bigger story being told, and I became very, very addicted to the show. Up to that point, it was way, way, way episodic. Every episode was very, like, punctiliar. It was like, this is a story, and it's over. This is a story, and it's over when the meta narrative started to develop and the bad wolf story started to happen and I saw there was a far bigger story being told here I became a very big fan of the show now similar thing here with the annual pass if you get invested in the story that starts with season of the forge and that starts to happen in season two, it gets it gets kind of pulled along and teased out and, and more established. Then again, that kind of keeps people invested. It's a great way to describe Agents of Shield. The bigger story didn't come until about the end of season one. Yeah, my wife and I did not like uh, Agents of Shield. Everybody says end of season one into season two uh, gets so much better. So, um, I think this would be a way to help the annual pass feel more cohesive. It's kind of like when you there's bands out there where you'll hear their song on the radio and you're like, man, what a great song. Let me go check out this album. And then you feel like you're listening to a sampler of a bunch of different bands. No cohesion, no no theme, no deducible style cohesion, nothing, just all over the place. That's always kind of disappointing because you're like, man, if the, if the rest of the album was in the hemisphere of this song that I really, really like, that would be great. Um, Johnny Resnick joked about that. He was the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls, is the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls, and their their initial claim to fame song that kind of got them popular was Name. Name is a very slow, acoustically driven song. It's almost like a love song, and it is on their album A Boy Named Goo. And A Boy Named Goo is just a lot of rock. It's kind of grungy, a little bit of punk, uh, but mostly rock. 
and people came to their concerts and they were like what the frick is this and that's kind of similar if DLC is super fragmented and disconnected it's very difficult for you to see like why would I keep playing why would I care it's like that song that pulls you in then the albums doesn't doesn't connect all the dots and so if Drifter would have kind of continued to meta narrative it would have helped a little bit uh, at the very least then you would feel like I'm playing um I'm playing the I'm paying for the annual pass which is one big story instead of three different stories might be helpful I would agree with that because then you're increasing the idea in the player's mind that this is an expanding universe and not like you know three different comic books it's cool for marketing and art style to see like you know the forge you see Ada you see Drifter you see what looks like Benedict you know for opulence um so and they kind of did that with Dreaming City like there was still stuff going on with Mara and there was that cutscene where like Aldrin's not dead like that was really cool but it wasn't really woven into the annual pass I heard Trials is coming back. No, that was just a rumor spread on Twitter. It was a fake tweet. It was a very well done fake tweet. This would be good live. Honestly, I hope if they're going to revamp the Crucible, I would love to see them expand upon the customization options in private matches. I would love to see community-made game modes for Crucible uh, that the community can shape. What are your thoughts on how they can get people that don't typically play PvP to engage with the content? Because I would love to enjoy it in more casual ways. Okay, there's a problem with the front end of your question, and it's that... I don't think their engine and their systems are agile enough to let us go in there and start tinkering around and creating our own game modes. A lot of it would just, it wouldn't be huge, big shifts and changes. You know, there's not much you can do um, in private matches. Now, giving us more freedom, if they could, awesome. Let's see what we can come up with. You're thinking, you're probably thinking back to the days of like Halo uh, with Forge. Now, to the second half of your question, I think they already know what to do. How do you get people that don't typically play PvP to engage in a more casual way? We have our answer in the Trials Bounties before Rise of Iron. Trials Bounties pre-Rise of Iron were a perfect way to get casuals to play something they typically wouldn't play. The loot was dope and you could play bounties and get that loop. You didn't have to win, you didn't have to go flawless, it just put casuals in the player base. Rise of Iron lands, none of the new loot is in the trials bounties, and the casuals vacate trials, they vacate in droves after Iron Banner lands, because Iron Banner was a really easy way to level up. So prior to Iron Banner, people were still running trials bounties to level up, but once Iron Banner came out, Iron Banner made leveling very, very easy. The trials playlist suffered greatly. Matchmaking took really, really long time. People complained about it being way more sweaty, connections weren't as good, matchmaking took a longer time because the casuals vacated the player base. Capturing, recapturing the spirit of Trials Bounties pre-Rise of Iron is the key. It is the key to getting people in the competitive playlist who typically don't go in there or just the Crucible in general. That's the key. If they were to bring back Trials, the number one single greatest, most important thing they would do is Trials Bounties in the spirit of how they were pre-Rise of Iron. Because you would want to have as many people in that playlist as possible on the weekends. 
do 3v3, do E-Limb, get rid of a lot of the crappy maps, but for Frick's sake, if they were to ever bring back Trials, you have got to put those Trials bounties in there, because you got to get the casuals in the player list. You do. It makes the games better for stacks and carries. It makes the games better with respect to connection quality. It makes the matchmaking go faster. It is a significant and needed solution beyond just if they were to bring Trials back. I think it would be very, very helpful to the Crucible in general. You know, Ada's style bounties, bringing those to other NPCs, that's exactly how you would institute it in the Crucible. Make really, really dope weapons pursuable through bounties by playing in a competitive playlist. You don't gotta win, you don't gotta rank up, you just gotta be in there and play. I think it would help the playlists uh, in a significant way. It, It minimizes sweat right? Minimizes sweat because people say, oh, this isn't so bad. We don't have to stack up as often as we used to. There's a lot more casuals in the player list. Connections are better. Matchmaking's faster. We don't need to sweat so much. Once things start shrinking, they start to get sweaty and then they shrink and then they sweat. Shrink, sweat, shrink, sweat, shrink. Like, because the more sweaty teams you run into, the less you're going to play. The less people that are playing, the longer the matchmaking, the more frustrated people get, the more likely they're going to stack up and sweat because they're taking so long to get into games. They have to win the very few games they get into. Like, it is a just a giant, just downward spiral um, when you lose players and sweat increases. So... Crucible was just about 200k yesterday. PVE was only 400k. Oh, did we get updated numbers? I checked earlier, and it was looking, it was looking kind of low. Yeah, 411 on PVE. Yeah, it was like 133 for Gambit. So like Gambit's dropping too. That's kind of sensible. It makes sense. Revelry's coming to a close. PVP will probably bounce back next week when Revelry's over, though. I bet. I bet a lot of people are going to come back and try and finish their their Pinnacle weapon quests. Killer Cam Cam. What are a few things from Forsaken Black Armory Season of the Drifter you would like to see future Season Pass updates? Number one, adventures that are really, really fun with dope boss fights. The Baron fights are one of the single greatest untapped pieces of potential fun, grindable content in the game. Uh, What a waste. Those things need to be repurposed. Those fights are freaking dope. Uh, Number two, Black Armory, Ada's bounties are amazing. Uh, Season of the Drifter, Having new perks that we haven't seen before was a great addition, but the grind is terrible. So if you pull those things from those those three sections, you've got a lot of great content, a lot of great structure. Uh, Ada-style bounties, new perks like you got from Drifter, and then give us adventures that are grindable, and you got some really, really good content. Uh, Fearson. What's your opinion about people saying that Destiny 2 is going to die with the release of Borderlands 3? We've gone through this for five years, and it's really stupid, ignorant, and dumb to continue to say such silly things, because it hasn't happened for four or five years. Every time it's been pronounced, it hasn't happened. So, the definition of insanity is continue to do the same thing, expecting the same results. So, continue to make the prediction that this game is going to kill Destiny is kind of like those idiot pastors that make predictions about the end of the world, and then it doesn't happen. And they're like, oh wait, we had the dates wrong. Like, how many times are you going to pronounce the death of Destiny on the launch of another game before you realize how dumb you look? Uh, Hernan, uh, Herton TTV. What if they did something like map packs or strike packs for $10? They already have a history of segmenting maps and strikes between consoles. They don't. They're not doing that anymore. They don't segment the maps. Uh, so why not do more for those who'd want it? Just racking my brain here. Okay, so 343 and Respawn have kind of changed the conversation here. Uh, charging for maps fragments the community. We learned this in Call of Duty. So Respawn and 343 have always made their maps free because it helps matchmaking, it helps the community play, it keeps people together. 
Uh, whenever you buy maps, you can only play with people who own the maps, so it slows down matchmaking and it limits the people you can play with and it hurts connection quality. The same exact thing would happen with strikes if you had to buy the strikes to play them. So you cannot monetize match-made items like that because it, it, it fragments the community. Uh, the one day we were establishing this, Golden Boy was in chat and he echoed what I said because he's got a lot more expertise in history with games like Halo and competitive games, you know, and even just knowing the history with Respawn and Titanfall. So this is why Destiny now makes maps free because you just want to keep as many people in matchmaking funnel as possible. Uh, whenever I bought maps in in Call of Duty, you know what happened? There was always one homie in our group that didn't have the maps. So we always had to go to the normal playlist. So I bought maps that I never played on. Well, then a couple weeks would go by, and then we would have a group of dudes who could play on the new maps, and guess what? We hadn't been playing on them, so we didn't know them. So since we didn't know them, we um, we didn't want to play them. It just, it, just, it just perpetuated the problem. So then less people go into that matchmaking because they're like, I don't know these maps. I'm trying to jump in kind of late now. All these people know the maps, and I'm getting shellacked. I'm going back to the classic maps. And then the people that want to play the new maps get frustrated because nobody wants to play the new maps. Like, it just doesn't work. You can't fragment the community with maps. JT2748. Uh, what if the next Destiny goes free to play like Warframe, makes all the updates free, paid through microtransactions? Not going to happen. I, I don't even want to discuss this. This just isn't going to happen. The, the structure wouldn't work for a company their size. And with the revenue structures and the margins and how they spec out content, it's never going to happen. Roland, off topic, but your weapons and PvP video made me wonder. If Destiny went to a more defined three lanes of combat like Call of Duty, think it would help other weapons shine other than shotguns and hand cannons. I don't actually know what you're referring to here. Three lanes of combat. I don't know what you mean, unless you're talking about map design. So I'm not really sure what how I'm supposed to answer that. Uh, Karma Kodama. If I want to be ready for opulence but haven't played since Drifter, should I wait until release to level or try to level up now? Do you think they'll release level boost? They'll probably do more level boost bounties. Um, They'll probably do more of those. And what you could do now... Um, it's map design. Yeah, I mean, I've already talked about map design being bitter, bigger and creating more, you know, dynamic combat. I've, I've gone over that round and round. Um, so yes, I agree. Map design's a big, a big contributing factor to the one dimensional and, and predictable nature of loadouts in combat in Destiny. Uh, so yeah, I would expect surge bounties to return. But in anticipation of opulence, something that you could do that would be well worth your time is always do spiders bounties to get the enhancement cores. Do any scrapper bounties that you get. And if your clan is ranked high enough, do Hawthorne's milestone because that's seven enhancement cores. <clears throat> this will be good live. I've always thought that bringing back old stuff is not bad for the game. I feel like people who complain about it are literally arguing against content to make the game better. I miss Wrath of the Machine, all the old raids. Do you think Bungie would revamp D1 raids for D2? Um, I would love it. I would legit grin ear to ear being able to play King's Fall and Wrath of the Machine and Vogue and Crota with the increased FOV frame rate uh, and awesome graphics on PC. I would freaking lose my mind. But... Holtzman worked for Bungie for six months on a contract and said it's very, very difficult to bring D1 content into D2. That's probably diminishing the possibility of it happening, even though we all want it. JD Gamer. Oh, you also have to consider that raids are a smaller portion of the community, so that'd be a lot of work for the minority. For a minority. JD Gamer, hey Lono, uh, do you think we could see the summer solstice using the Forsaken story like they did in year one? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. If they're going to do that again, I don't know if they are. 
Uh, Russ Est says, what is the best way to play Borderlands 2 story-wise? I'm not answering this because it's not relevant. Uh, BD McBrayer, would you take some amount of resources to launch an essential D1 to relaunch in D2 as it would uh, design a new big content drop that would recapture a lot of lost players and spending more time working on the new expansions game? Oh, what a question. So you're saying they would basically, instead of building a bunch of new content or repurposing Destiny 2 content, they would bring D1 into D2? Don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. And the reason I don't think they're doing that is because the the ability to repurpose content in D2 is probably significantly easier than bringing all the D1 content into D2. So probably not. Uh... Hair Juicer, what are your thoughts on the new Tier 3 Reckoning boss fight? Seems much more difficult now. I haven't touched it. Reckoning sucks. Uh, Noob Moose, do you think if we had something more similar to D1 Weapon Scheme, Luna's Howl Not Forgotten being the only two primary weapons in the special slot, would be a way to nerf it instead of changing its functionality? That way it would have to compete with the weapons it's usually paired with, shoddies, while making a meaningful choice. No, I don't think this works. Going to a true primary secondary heavy system is far better because then you you balance the weapons within their tier. If it's a primary weapon, it needs to function and be efficient as a primary weapon. TTK, accuracy, etc. If it's pinnacle, then yeah, it needs to be the best in that lane. You really complicate it if you start going this route. It's very convoluted to do it. Like balancing primaries with shotguns would be odd. This will be good live. The feature that I missed from D1 leveling system is RNG until your next soft cap, then using basic non-powerful drops to catch up the gear. So it's not completely RNG. I feel like I take days off work to grind 15 hours a day leading up to the new raid drop. My time should be rewarded with power increases instead of focusing on pure RNG. I did this in Forsaken and Black Armory and didn't make it to day one raids. What are your thoughts on this? This is exactly why I said the solution for leveling is well in hand. All they gotta do is make purples and blues drop at your level. You can fill all those gaps and use milestones more strategically and level up with intentionality. If you're a casual player and can only play for a couple hours, you're still getting marginal bumps no matter what you're doing, whether it's a public event or a strike or a lost sector. The drops are raising your level as long as you do like one milestone. So yes, this is the way they fix the leveling system. What you've just described is in a video where I have that leveling still stinks or leveling still sucks or something. Leveling is still bad, I think is what it's called. The leveling in this game is the worst leveling in any RPG that I have ever played. It's terrible. Convoluted, stupid, and wasting of the player's time. It, it genuinely could not be worse. If someone's like, how would you make it worse, Lono? I'm like, I don't know. Make less milestones. Like, it's, it's, it's awful. It is truly awful. And I don't know why they're doubling down on it. Because it is just an absolute... For a game-as-service game to be so stingy and unrewarding of player time and robbing of player volition and intentionality. It is mind-boggling. It is truly mind-boggling. Yo, Flyers with the Tier 3 for 19 months. Welcome back, uh, Flyers. I appreciate you, dude. Crick says, What do you think of making the Baron fight max level and give me each unique weapon? Do it! Yes, I would love that. The Baron fights are awesome. Give me a way to grind and a reason to grind. They're really great pieces of content. You know what I mean? It feels like a job and it kicks you in the... Yeah, it kicks you right in the nuts regularly. Agree. 
Pastor Taco, how would you like to see events and activities like Blindwell EP Infinite Forest reutilized in the new content? I've said that a hundred times today, so yes, you might have missed it. I have been consistently singing this from the rooftops. I think the theme of Annual Pass 2.0 is exactly this, and I've said this a thousand times repurpose the old content you've got the forge from curse of osiris infinite forest blindwell escalation protocol you've got all of the forges from black armor you've even got reckoning you got a lot of stuff you got a lot of stuff so i'll keep taking questions i know some people are trying to submit questions now but that is the last one in the form so i'm going to cut this but i'm going to keep streaming if you're here live be sure to click the follow button if you enjoyed this segment that's a free way to support my stream if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify or watching on youtube you can always catch me live twitch.tv slash say no to rage as with all of my content i appreciate you listening and watching please like share and subscribe